Hello, and welcome to the Spirit of Life in Ibiza podcast. You are joining us at a very special time in history, a time that will be spoken about for centuries to come, a time that will change life as we know it on this planet forevermore, a time that will go down in the history books as the greatest battle of all time. The battle that I speak of will not be a bloody battle and can be likened to no other battle in history. This is a battle of consciousness, a fight to see the truth that lies beneath the underbelly of our society. And as we see that truth, so too will we start to see all of the beauty that can come from the uncovering of the lies that have held us captive for so long. For this is the revolution of consciousness, the revolution of our hearts and minds, the great awakening that has been forever prophesized and is now ready to be seen. In all of its greatness, with all of its challenges, and all of the wisdom that shall be adorned upon us as we each play our roles in its unfoldment. Some of what we are going to talk about here today is going to seem quite surreal. It is going to seem like we are all playing parts in the greatest movie of all time. And to a certain degree, we are. We have the goodies, the baddies, and the heroes of the moment. Although it should be said that every single one of us has the opportunity to be the hero of our own moment and thus should take it. We have those that have been born to lead the way in this ascension process, who have been trained from birth in one way or another and for many, many lives before that too, who have been awakened early in this lifetime to be able to shine truth and hold light through the chaos that may ensue. We have those that will come into their own as this journey unfolds, shining their own light, courage and wisdom as they start to flow with the creativity of a newly diversified society. We have those that will simply awaken and that is enough. For once we have, those that have kept us enslaved within our slumber will no longer be able to hold power over us. As we find ourselves in this enforced lockdown, each and every one of us is being offered the opportunity to go deeper within to shine the light of love on ourselves and on others as we reevaluate that which really matters, as we start to reconnect with our hearts and look for new opportunities within. Those that are listening within will already be recognizing these new opportunities for growth. They will be aware of the new ideas that are now swirling around their minds that will breed new ways of making a living whilst doing something that they truly love. For those that are not listening, worry not. For when you are ready to open, new opportunities shall be waiting for you too. And as we go into this new time that is being created by each and every one of us, we must learn to walk in love, for it is fear that has held us captive to a system that serves but a few. As we start to recognize the truth of our enslavery to those that have kept us captive to fear, we must learn to walk once again in our own light, in our own love, and then learn to shine that light on others. For we are all in this together now, it is true that we always have been, but division, created by but a few, has kept us in the false narrative that we are separate. It has never been more clear as each and every one of us has been impacted by recent events that we are all one. It is time for humanity to step up in its oneness and embrace the new way of life that is coming to our planet. I ask you not to be afraid, for all that shall come is greatness. The challenges that we face will help us to move away from the attachments that we have to our current system. A system that gives us the illusion of freedom, the illusion of free will, but which, in fact, 
breaks our will and strips our rights as humans to express freely and to live in love, peace and harmony. For all of this can be achieved as soon as we recognise the shackles around our feet and take the first steps to release them. Soon you will see that the thing that is initially taking us away from our freedom is the very thing that will lead us to ultimate freedom. For this virus will force us to challenge the current constraints of our society and create a whole new world that is fair for all. As we hold on to our old belief system, it may seem like this cannot be achieved, but the prophecy has already been set in motion. The people have already started to awaken and the truth is already coming to the surface. Nothing can be done to stop it now and nor should we want to stop it. For the world that awaits us is full of beauty and joy. We shall look back on this time and wonder how we ever lived this way, without unity, without love for one and all, without living out our dreams and passions. We shall wonder how we ever allowed ourselves to be manipulated into living lives that took us so far away from being all that we can be. Yes, we shall look back in wonder, but we shall also look back in love. For love will be the new currency. Love will be the new cure and love will be the new vibration. So let us release our fears and welcome it in with open arms. Today, I am joined by returning guest, Lena Sophia, an initiated traditional Mayan fire and water priestess who received her training and, and initiation in the sacred lands of Guatemala. Lena also has a master's degree in somatic counseling psychology, as well as being a trauma healer, a certified yoga teacher and therapist, and a mindfulness and meditation instructor. So welcome back, Lena, to the Spirit of Life in Ibiza podcast. Thank you, Nayabi, for inviting me back onto your platform and for inviting me here today to speak, um, to have this meeting of heart and mind, and for a chance for us to be able to flesh out the territory of this great awakening and this crisis opportunity that we're having right now on Earth. Um, I'd also like to thank you for your powerful words. That was an amazing introduction to about to what we're about to do here together. Ah, oh, thank you, Lena. Well, it's, it's it's a real it's a real pleasure to have you back on the show. And um, despite the fact that I didn't make it back to Ibiza on time, um, we've actually been in constant contact with each other. Um, and have, yeah, we've really been in complete alignment with each other um, over everything that's happening right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this podcast with you. And whilst I was gutted to not get back to Ibiza in time, I, I know that things have been pretty tough over there, right? I mean, you guys have been under martial law, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if what they actually call it that, but it definitely feels it like that. Like there's like a state of emergency. So yes, we've experienced one of the strictest lockdowns in Europe. And to be honest to you, to you, like it's been quite intense and, um, to experience these type of restrictions. So we, yeah, we haven't even been allowed to leave our house to take a walk by ourselves in nature where we won't even come in contact with another human being. We've been kind of encouraged to stay in, in where like the area where we live on the island. Um, there's roadblocks everywhere. There's also been drones following people around um, on the beaches or in the forests all the way back into their home where the police come and find them. So, and the fines that we've been getting are quite hefty, like 600 to 1,200 euros for basically just taking a walk or being in an area that they thought that you were maybe too far away from your home because you wanted to go to a supermarket that had exactly what you needed. So 
Um, it's quite intense. And then on top of it, we're, we're in a huge financial crisis here since we depend on so much on tourism. Um, most of them, the people I know have really lost their, literally lost their work for the entire year. So it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey and we're still very much in it since the lockdown phases are quite slow. So, uh, I can tell you experiencing the loss of freedom really helps you, um, appreciate what we had before. You really realize like, wow, we were so free, you know, really to be able to speak and move and see who we wanted to see when we wanted to see them, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is pretty intense. And, and as I said, I mean, I, I was, I was gutted to not get back to Ibiza, but I also recognize just how lucky we've been here in the UK to have had at least a small amount, amount of freedom in comparison to, to what you guys have had out there. And I mean, interestingly enough, Spirit had actually presented me with a question, um, in my head a few months before any of this actually really like, um, kicked off. Uh, and I'll be honest, I actually thought it was my imagination being a bit wonky, if you like, because I couldn't fathom a situation where this would ever actually happen. But I was asked mm. if I had to be stuck in a country for a period of time, would I choose Ibiza or the UK? Because uh, I'm back and forth between the two countries. And I, I chose Ibiza, by the way, so I don't know how I ended up in the UK. But as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the, for the extra bit of freedom that, that we do have in comparison to you guys. Um, but anyway, I mean, what a time to be alive. Um, right. and, and I just want to say on that, <laughs> I just want to say on that, that, you know, I have absolutely no doubt that every single person on this planet chose to be alive at this time for, for both the evolution of their soul as well as the evolution of this planet. Um, but I'm sure that many, I'm sure that many of the listeners at home may be feeling Oh, you guys are probably feeling a little bit overwhelmed with all of the information that's coming your way right now. And, you know, whether it be through mainstream media or alternative media or social media, there's a lot of information and it can be really hard to discern what's true and what's not. Um, so that the purpose of this podcast isn't to try to force information on anyone. Um, it's, it's simply just to share what we know and understand from a, from a higher perspective through, through our connection with spirit, um, as well as, as well as our own experiences, like years of research, um, as, and yeah, as, as well as what we're kind of, what we're seeing and have been seeing for a really long time now. So we believe that the information that we're bringing to you is truth. And we used our discernment and intuition within the areas that we've researched to to filter out what we believe to be mistruths and mis misinterpretations of truth within within what you can call the truth movement however it's it's not enough for us to tell you that it's truth you have to discern that information for yourself and i guess i guess the best advice that i can that i can give you on that is to try to get out of your head and to trust how you feel when, when you listen to this or any other information that comes your way. Um, I would say that one of the best uses of, of, of our time right now whilst we're on this lockdown is to try to find a way to strengthen intuition. Because once, once you've done that, you'll find it a lot easier to, to discern what's truth and what's lies. And the thing is, like, you also, you also really need to break down what it is that you're feeling as well as that that there's going to be things that we're going to tell you that you're not going to like. 
that absolutely are going to trigger a reaction within you, within you that doesn't feel good. But that doesn't mean that it's not truth. So again, you really, you really need to dive into those feelings to, to work out, am I reacting this way to it because it's a lie? Or am I reacting this way to it because I don't like what I hear? Am, am I, am I reacting this way to it because I don't want it to be true? Because it makes me feel fear or challenges everything that I've been taught and told or, or because I can't get my head around another, another person doing that. Um, I, I haven't watched the mainstream news in years, but it's, it's sometimes on in the house at the moment and, and I have to walk out of the room because every muscle in my body tenses up. I feel stressed and I just want to reject a lot of what's being said. Now, I personally don't have a fear of this virus. So my reaction isn't fear-based. My reaction is based on the absolute knowing that what I'm hearing are mistruths and misrepresentations. So my, myself and Lena have both developed a very strong sense of intuition and knowing on our journeys, like my, myself as a, as a medium, um, a psychic and a seer. And Lena, through, through her experiences through mysticism and shamanism, but learning to learning to trust yourself and what you're feeling and to then understand why you're feeling it and why you're reacting like that is also a journey in itself but you have to start somewhere so ready to begin guys um but lena um i mean do you want to add anything there to what i've just said about about the discerning about the discernment process and and why we've decided to create this podcast Yes. So everything you said, I agree with completely. And um, thank you for saying all of that. And I think that we both made an agreement that we'd really like to be clear about how we're conducting this conversation, um, why we're talking about these things, um, and to who. And also to really reiterate that, yes, we may believe this, but we don't expect anyone else to. And that we're actually coming from like a really gentle, loving approach. Nothing is a demand here. Um, so the purpose of this podcast is really to touch lightly upon, um, some of the information that's being presented us to into the media and also to go into things that aren't current commonly talked about, um, going back into larger cycles of time, the ancient past to get a good understanding from that ground, what is currently happening on the planet and to perhaps see it from a larger perspective. Um, some of our, other intentions are to just to present possibilities, to guide, to inspire. And like you said, we're really not trying to convince anyone of anything or um, in any, any way. Um, because we do believe the things that we're talking about, we may speak with conviction. I know that I will. And because I'm a passionate being. And um, but please know that if you do hear me speak with passion and conviction, that I'm not attached to anyone believing any of the words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so, but we have to, of course, speak as if this information was true because we can't make a disclaimer before everything we say. <laughs> um, and that this information is so huge, broad that we can maybe talk for like a whole week if we're really going to go deep and we cannot go that deep. We're just going to be lightly touching upon some very, very big subjects that we expect you to, if you have the, the curiosity or the will to go deeper. 
So like you said, I really encourage everyone to do their own research um, to figure out what they believe. We're going to give links. We're going to give um, connections to where people can go deeper down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and just to take care of your body, because again, coming from a somatic perspective, just to breathe through this podcast, pause if you need to, try to remain curious and open, and perhaps distance yourself a little bit if you find yourself getting triggered. Just listen to it as if it was a story. Take what serves you, discard the rest, um, and yeah, take it one step at a time. And, and then just again, to be clear, who are we doing this podcast for, right? Because we don't know who our audience is. We don't know who they really are, right? We have, have, you might know who sometimes tunes into you, but we are also aware that we're talking to a broad, um, a broad audience, right? And that's okay. That's just, we're all diverse and we, we really encourage the, the freedom to choose and the freedom to be sovereign and the freedom to decide for oneself. But we're, we're aware that some of you out there may be listening to this and you might have just have woken up. And so something like this, this kind of podcast might be like really juicy for you because we might be giving you some material perspectives that you might have been hearing for the first time or might have just heard for the first time. And hopefully we can flesh out the big picture for you to get to hopefully that you maybe to put some of the puzzle pieces together. Um, then there's, there's people like you and I, Nabi, that have been, feel like we were born for this time, that it's our calling to be here, um, that we've been preparing our whole lives for this. And we're kind of like in shock, like, oh my God, it's really happening. <laughs> and here we are. Um, and we feel that we have a particular role in this grand drama. Um, and, um, and that we're actually here to help and to guide and that, that this is part of our destiny. So some of you others might be feeling that as well. And so we're also saying you're not alone. Um, maybe you've been in touch with people that feel this calling like we do, um, or maybe not, but then just really have, have a, converse, a, com, a confirmation that there's other people out there that are feeling this calling and that are ready. And we're, we might never meet each other, but we're here together pulling this through. And then there's people that may have not awakened yet at all or might have any clue about what we're talking about or might be kind of like on the fence. And for them, I just ask you to listen with a curious, open mind, like, again, as if it was a story without any attachment to it being real. Maybe it's a, like a movie, like a Hollywood movie that you're just watching on a Friday night. And to kind of keep this what the Buddhists call the curious beginner's mind. It's kind of like fresh mind that the, the child has was kind of like, what if this was true? What would that mean? You know, well, how does that change my, my world perspective? So we're asking you to just be relaxed, to take breaks if you feel tension building up in your body, that you have the choice to believe whatever you'd like to. And, um, and then, um, Nayabi, you also mentioned discernment, right? So this discernment process is like an inner journey. It's kind of like, um, connecting to your intuition. It's part of the ascension process to awaken this discernment within. And it's a process of, um, awakening this inner essential tool that we've all been born with. 
Um, and that I really believe that's of utmost importance, especially in these times, to develop within ourselves. So it's something like when we start first start working out, our muscles feel like slap, like slack. You know, we're like, oh my god, that weight feels so heavy. But after we, you know, exercise that muscle for about a month, then we don't even feel the weight anymore. It feels like it's like adapt and and ready and willing to do what we tell it to do. It's the same thing with your intuition, the sense, sixth sense we might be talking about, or a gut feeling or a deep knowing that comes with, from within, and it helps you navigate through disinformation. So there are some steps in developing this and trying to um, reawaken this inner tool that we have, that we were born with. Um, it might not be that strong in us, some of us, because we weren't taught it in school. Our parents didn't teach us this. Um, but I can guarantee you that each and every human being has this encoded into their system. So, um, I would like to encourage you to kind of like practice, even during this podcast, feeling for the energetic signature behind the words and the information. So this is one of the first steps in learning how to discern. Some people can actually see the energetic signature. Again, this is, we're talking to about people that might have some kind of clairvoyant or extrasensory perceptions. There are a lot of people out there on the planet. And through this awakening ascension process, these people might be feeling like, wow, I didn't see energetic signatures before, but now I am. Or there might be some voice inside that says, this isn't true. Or you might actually begin to taste disinformation. Like you can actually taste it. Like there's a taste on your tongue that says, this is not true. Or it just comes in from the body. Like again, through the intuition, through the gut, you kind of just feel that this information is false. So for, for me, for example, what happens for me is that when I'm hearing truth, I get a strong sense of knowing that comes from my body, my soul, a deep level of my sense of self. And I get inspired and excited about it. It validates what I already knew or what I'm remembering. Sometimes it's a subtle, peaceful sense of knowing as well. And when I hear disinformation, I sense a vibrational quality in my body or around me and kind of inside of me that just says something's off or just not right, or it clashes in a sense within me. And this can take time because sometimes disinformation, misinformation is very seductive and exciting. And it can at times be ego stroking and sometimes even comforting. So because sometimes it encourages us just to lay back, relax, remain passive. Everything's being taken care of by some hero, world leader, or some, some, you know, extra, extra galactic beings or whatever you believe. But I've found that this sense of enticement or seduction, it can actually be, be felt through at some point on an inner gut level that just something is off about this. I just don't know what it is yet, but let me give it some time. And what I've found is that usually the answers arise. And it's like what you said, Abby, before, this is different from having a fear response where there's something inside of you that says, wow, that new information is so foreign to my worldview that I, it makes me scared. Therefore, it must be untrue. That's a different thing. That's like having to discern between what is fear, what is triggering me, and what is truly just misinformation. And this, again, takes time, but I believe that every human being can develop this muscle within them. 
Um, and then, for example, if it's just fear that's triggering me, well, then you transmute that fear. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later, but um, how to transmute fear, how to work with fear, because a lot of, like you said before, a lot of this information blows our mind and it blows out the paradigm of the way we thought the world to be. Thank you, Lena, for that really, really good um, explanation there. It's, you know, I, I think it's really important to, to go into some of that because, you know, I, I think it's easy to forget when you've been doing this work for so long, um, you know, that, that, there's, that people don't always know where to begin with this. Um, so that's really great for you to, to break that down there. So obviously we're going to be bringing a lot of, uh, a lot of information on this podcast, as you mentioned there, and, and we really are just going to be touching the surface, scratching the surface, but can you maybe just go, go into a little bit, Lena, for our, for our listeners out there, like how this information first started to come to light for you? Yes, of course I will. And, and actually, as I'm doing this, keep in mind that we are going to be talking about Ascension, um, and you already mentioned it, like this time of great awakening on the planet. So what I, the story I'm about to tell about where this information comes from is quite connected to my own ascension process and my journey um, that happened from a very young age. So on my end, what I'm sharing here today comes from a long journey that I've had various levels of awakening throughout my life. And the first one that I can consciously identify is when I was 12 years old, when I was just I don't know what happened, but I was obviously guided to all of a sudden really go deep into research. And then at that time, it was, you know, there was no internet. So it was books, um, particularly in the library. And, um, and so from 12 until now, I have been guided to different books, documentaries, interviewers, whistleblower testimonies, documents that have been released, um, secret, top secret documents that have been released, ancient mythology, ancient archaeology, and anthropology. And then along this journey, I've had several stages of a spiritual awakening that opened up my eyes to um, the sense that there is light, benevolent, loving forces in this universe, as well as dark, evil, what I would call also to service to self forces that move through this existence that we have. And so even getting to know about those forces um, is part of what is being offered here today. Also, there's I've had a lot of mystical experiences where I've had direct experience and initiation into knowing these forces, having to deal with these forces. And as you mentioned, I've also had a shamanic background. So I've had a lot of exposure to indigenous perspectives, lore, ceremony that also encoded within them and sometimes through the the storytelling and through the myth that this also reflects some of these realities um, that we'll be presenting today. Some of it calls from soul knowing. What I mentioned before that you just sometimes come across information and you know it's true. So you pick it up and you kind of like carry it with you because it invokes a remembering in you, an intuition Sometimes it's a remembering of past lives that you'd lived this before. You know this on a deeper level of your being. And then sometimes it's because we actually have have an experience of it being rolled out and played out in our lives. We've seen it happening. For example, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but like that we actually see 5G being rolled out or I've had experiences of feeling artificial intelligence. I know from my own life experience what that feels like. Or I have had direct experience with really studying 
the geoengineering or chemtrailing program because I see it happening above my head. I observed them for over 25 years now. Or something like, you know, you notice you hear information about radiation fields and then you notice that there's a bunch of smart meters outside of your house. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later as well. But like, wow, this is supposed to have a radiation field that co- that's harmful to life. Well, wow, the dead tree <laughs> right be, be beside this meter is half dead, half alive. So some of it comes just from direct real life experience. And what people find through the ascension process is that we actually get led to information, either through dreams, other people, synchronicities, books falling off the shelves, seeing things in a, in a repetitive way. Sometimes it's omens through nature. So this has also been part of it that I've had, um, several descents into this information. Like I said, one was when I was 12 years old and I started studying occult UFO phenomena, Satanism, um, not that I was interested in it, but just what it was and that it existed, poltergeist and ghost phenomena, unexplained mysteries in general, astrology, astrology, astronomy, past life regression material. And then there came another wave when I was like 15 to 33 that I was guided again to um, evidence of ancient societies and, um, different secret hidden government programs like MKUltra or led to more deeper whistleblower testimony. For example, when I was 20, in my early twenties, I, I received some documents because again, this is before the internet of mind control sex slave victims, for example, and mind control assassins that worked for the government. Um, and reading their testimony and, you know, there's been processes where I've actually, when I could say one of the last waves that I got brought through was in 2011, where I was tuned out of the media for about 10 to 15 years and had been living in third world countries. So I didn't have any smartphones. I didn't Google anything. I wasn't an avid internet user, but one day I was living in Mexico city and I, I wake up from a dream. And then all of a sudden I hear a voice inside my head um, saying, turn on the BBC News now. Google BBC News. I had never Googled anything ever in my life. And I had never watched the BBC News ever. So this is like so foreign to me. And as I log on the computer, click into the BBC News, the tsunami that was hitting Japan, I saw it happening live. And so I was like, wow, what would lead me to witness this happening live? And then from there, I went into like a five month process where I would have dreams and I would hear a voice in my head, research this, research this. And it led me down to another deeper layer of understanding the true history of the human race, um, the true history of this planet and deeper research into Lemuria and Atlantis and things that aren't commonly talked about or taught um, in mainstream anything. (laughs) So it's like, again, there's like this process of being led. And so many of you might be noticing it's happening to you and just know to go with it, to listen to it, because there is something guiding us in this awakening process. Thanks, Lena, for sharing some of that. That was um, actually, that was really interesting to hear some of that explanation. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously you've touched on, touched on a few things that we're, we're going to go deeper into later in the show. But for now, it would be really great if you could explain to our listeners, like, 
what we mean when we're talking about the ascension processes that's, that's happening right now for, for, for everyone. Um, you know, um, I'm sure there'll probably be a lot of people listening to my introduction there and thinking that I've lost the bloody plot. But, um, you know, yeah, could you, you've, you've touched on Atlantis there and, 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 and Lemuria, but could you, could you maybe, um, talk a little bit as, as to what we mean when we talk about the great awakening or the revolution of consciousness? And yeah, if you could go into, um, a little bit about Atlantis and how we come to the end of the cycle and, um, the Luciferian experiment, that'd be really great. I know, I know that we actually, we, we spoke about some of this on our first podcast. Um, that's, episode five spiritual wisdom for anyone who wants to go back and listen and you actually pointed out a few weeks ago um, when we first started talking about doing this podcast together how what we were saying then is actually even more relevant for for now than it than it was at the time um so yeah if you could just go into a little bit of that and maybe help our listeners to understand what what we mean by this that'd be that'd be great yes okay sure and so again Disclaimer, this is a huge topic and we're just only lightly touching upon it. So there's probably so much that we're missing, but just to kind of create a territory here, I'm actually going to start with a um, quote from Lisa Renee, who is a great resource for anyone that wants to dive deep into most of what we're talking about today, actually, but particularly ascension um, in general. So this is a quote from Lisa Renee. Ascension, also known as spiritual awakening is a simultaneous increase of expanding consciousness that occurs when our spiritual energetic bodies connect into our physical bodies. Generally, the catalyst for spiritual awakening is discovered through the process of progressive kundalini activation that starts in the base of our spine and moves the intelligent energies up the spine and into the crown. As a human being undergoes the awakening process, which can progress gradually over many years, that person shifts into perceptions of higher consciousness, which can include increased awareness of energy in the environment, perceiving multidimensional realities, sensing extra-dimensional entities, and feeling a direct communion with God and the interconnected energy that exists between all things. So, again, when we use words like God, it could also just be the interconnected energy that exists between all things, right? There's many words, and we're not being dogmatic in any way here. But you can see what she's referring to here is an awakening process. Um, Some refer it also to be this process of going from what we call the third dimension, fourth dimension, into fifth dimension, or 5D consciousness. So 3D would be kind of like the world as we know it. You know, this table is solid, even though it's been proven not to be. <laughs> Things work like this, you know. Um, sometimes even included in 3D is that we, you're born and you die and that's it. Um, and much, much more. But then there's a sense of when we start to awaken, we start to increase our vibrational frequency which is what the dimensions are. Each dimension is an increase of vibrational frequency, which informs the body, mind, spirit, and emotions, because all is one, it's all connected. And it raises all of those systems into a higher vibrational frequency. And therefore, we start to see things differently, perceive things differently, 
we start to turn on things that were dormant within our brain, within our DNA. Um, we start to actually feel physically different, often lighter. We start to claim some of our inner intuitive and psychic abilities. So again, when I was speaking before about this ability to um, read an energetic signature or to see what be lies behind something energetically, this is one of our inborn natural talents that also gets awakened through this process. So this, there's, they're saying that we're, we're already kind of like shifted from 3D to 4D and we're beginning to download this 5D consciousness, which is very much a unity consciousness, very much informed by love, very much um, so to such a degree that has such a higher vibrational frequency that the polarities of conflict that we experience on 3D, the paradoxes, that kind of whole battle between light and dark, destruction and creation, um, it kind of dissolves away. And it's kind of like you see the higher picture of what this all actually means and you come into unity consciousness. There's a, a, a forgiveness, a deeper and higher understanding for why things are happening, why this whole drama is playing out. So it's, it's also a process of embodiment because there's been some misinformation within the spiritual field, in the new age field, in this consciousness field. Where it's kind of like we're neat, and, and there's even misinformation and in, in re dogmatic religion, right? So you can see in Christianity and also within the new age field, there's a sense that we're going somewhere. We're ascending to a paradise that's away from the earth where there is no more evil or darkness, no more suffering, paradise, you know, heaven, um, or wherever, you know, and what I'd like to invite in that it's actually, that's false information. We are downloading the 5D consciousness. We are downloading the full potential and remembering of who we're being into the physical body. It's about anchoring it into the physical body and then therefore plugging it into the earth and actually becoming an anchor of light of, uh, upon this planet and ascending with earth so she's also a living sentient being that is awakening and so we're doing this together um and this is also very much connected again not in a religious dogmatic sense but to what some people have been calling christ consciousness which is just the it's for me it's 5d reality and beyond you know because there's more than the fifth dimension but we're not going to get into that right now um, but it's again, unity consciousness. It's coming from the heart. If you think about just the basic mystical teachings of Christianity or what Christ might have come here to teach us, um, taking all of those teachings, that is 5D consciousness. That is the Christ consciousness. That is the spirit of being fully awakened and acting out of love instead of fear acting as a creative life force to give to this planet, to give to other people, to create beautiful things upon this planet versus to create destruction, fear, entropy, service to self paradigms, harmful technologies, um, or systems that destroy human beings, that destroy life, that destroys the earth, nature. 
So this is that battle that we're seeing taking place. Or you can take the word the way battle, because again, everything has a different perspective. You can see it as a play, as this dance between the light and the darkness that must take place, that must be fulfilled. Like you said in your introduction, we, nothing's going to stop this now. We are fully in it and we're seeing this play out on a 3D level in the media right now on, in the world drama. And we're going to be talking about this a little bit later. So these ascension cycles, they don't just happen once. They happen many, many times. And here we're stepping into what might, some people might dismiss as like, again, that we've lost our nuts and bolts, right? Because we're going to be talking about things that aren't commonly talked about, that there are huge cycles of time where there has been conscious life on earth. So here I'm blowing away the archaeological timeline that we're given in school and universities that is presented to us. I'm blowing away that, that little timeline that just doesn't fit these huge cycles of time. It doesn't fit Atlantis. It doesn't fit a Lomoria because it happened. Those things happened way, way before when they're, what they're saying to us. Okay. So these cycles of time and each, each one of these cycles is very much connected, at least at this time, because we've had many epochs upon this in this galaxy, in this universe, and upon this planet. But right now, these ascension cycles that happen many times are connected to the procession of the equinoxes. Those processions of the equinoxes count a planetary round, which is a planetary cycle, which is an astrological age, which equals an eon, which is roughly 26,000 years, or we could say 26,000. 26,566 years to be precise. So this is how long it takes for the Earth's axis of rotation to make one full rotation. So we're in this, this is happening now. So we are going from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. Okay. These cycles, when they happen, we receive an energetic upgrade, thus referring back to the shift in dimensions. It is actually our birthright. It is our inherent life code. We are wired for this. We are made for this. This is what we do. We go into systems, planetary systems, and we upgrade the system through the ascension process. We upgrade our consciousness. We upgrade our whole, this whole play, this whole drama, the whole battle. We, you know, we, we upgrade it to another level of understanding and we evolve is also connected to evolving. So the end result of the, the last ascension cycle we had was 26,566 years ago. That was when Atlantis fell. So when we have these, these awakening cycles, it usually gets marked with what we called end times times of tribulation, earth changes, cataclysmic events, because it's like actually the earth and the physical bodies on earth, which is us, we're undergoing such a massive change from the third dimension to the fourth and to the fifth. This is what with the current ascension cycle we're in. This is happening on such a huge planetary scale that a massive, such a huge shift takes place that often maybe sometimes even 
Society gets torn down, shaken up. The earth gets shaken up. Civilizations fall. New ones are born. Um, we receive upgrades. We have these aha moments of like having the veil of blindness taken away from our eyes. And we actually see, whoa, this, it's also been called the great revelation, the great revealing, which you also referred to before. The planet mutates and so do the beings on it. This is happening on a vibrational level and down to a DNA level. So, cause again, the energy, the meg, the, the, the frequency, the, the physical body, it's all connected. So this is happening down to the cellular level up to the consciousness level to the things that we can't see. It's happening to the physical reality up into the other, like the layers of consciousness that we can't normally perceive, at least now. So. The last time it happened was at the fall of Atlantis, which was a, it, Atlantis fell over a long period of time. It just wasn't one thing that happened. It was a long, long, long process of deep planetary and humanitary trauma. Some of us feel and remember and know that we lived through those times. I know that Nyabi and, and, and I, we share that knowing. And if you know this deep in your soul, it is true. I'm here to say that you just know it. It's not something you're making up. It's something that it's a soul memory. And that time was extremely chaotic. And it started a dark cycle of evolution, a dark age. So we've been in a dark age for over 26,000 years. And what happened at that time is that there was a group of beings and a, a group of elite that took over the planet um, and began to implement what we'll be talking about a little bit later on, uh, the one world order or Luciferian agenda. Um, and these are agendas that began way back then and are still happening now. And so let's say, for example, um, let's say, for example, that Atlantis completely finally fell, which was a long period of time around 12,000 years ago. And so we're having these cycles of time. We're having 12,000 years com a cycle coming to a close. We're having a larger 26,566 year, thousand year, <laughs> sorry, fumbling with my words, year cycle coming to a close. Um, and when these cycles come to a close, we experience a breakdown of society, a breakdown of the world as we know it. So this is exactly what we're going through at this time. And like I said, we, we fleshed out before that some of us have been waking up throughout our lifetime because again, it's just not one day to the next cycles blend and bleed into each other. They're like kind of like amorphous energy waves. So we've had many, many things. So for example, if I was born in 1977, you know, and I had a wave of something when I was 12 years old, that was a wave for me of assumption. Then there was something again, you know, at 15 years old. Then there was something again at 21. Then there was another thing at 33 years old, you know? So it's like a slow, gradual awakening. For some of it, it's immediate. And that's what's happening for a lot of people right now because it needs to be. Because there's no more time to kind of, waste, not in a fearful way, but kind of like the time is now we're being called. 
So unfortunately, um, at the last planetary cycle, it was so traumatic and it was actually what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to ascend into a higher level of consciousness. Um, and we weren't able to because there was a dark agenda of control that entered our system. It was already here. Um, and again, we're going to reflect this out a little bit later, but it's like a, a ruling elite that took over. And then for the last 12,000 years, we've been in a dark age because something happened 12,000 years ago where we completely got numbed, numbed down, um, actually had a memory wipe, <laughs> um, had so much trauma. Even trauma can cause a memory right, wipe, a downgrading of our DNA system, a downgrading of the human being and the miracle of the human body and the DNA system. So we've kind of been sleeping, particularly for the last 20, 12,000 years. And we've been, because we've been sleeping, there is an Atlantean brotherhood or a deep state, dark elite. It could be referred to as many different things. Let's just say a powerful force of darkness uh, um, that has taken over service to self-oriented, very ego-driven, very power-driven, very controlling, very dominating, doesn't care if it ruins and destroys a whole planetary system that they're living on in order to gain what they want, more power, you know, more control, and so on and so forth. So that happened, and we've been underneath this rule for a long time, and what is happening now is that it's being dismantled. Because again, we weren't allowed to ascend due to the hijacking of what's called a, um, like a, a ascension cycle. Um, and now it's happening again. And now we're having a chance to do what we were not able to do so long ago. We're actually birthing ourselves into what was aborted so long ago. So we were having a birth that got aborted and hijacked, and now we're getting a chance to do it again. And um, this cycle, ascension cycle, you know, it goes in waves, but it really came to a crucial, what you could see as beginning or closing, because if you listen to the last podcast again, time isn't linear as, you know, things begin and end. It's kind of cyclical. But something began and ended in 2012. And since then, we've been on an accelerated path of awakening from a deep sleep. And the power elite that took over back in the day is the power elite that we have in power today. And they are slowly losing their power. But at the same time, from some perspective, it can look like they're actually taking over complete planetary control. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Well, thank you, Lena, for that, that really eloquent explanation there. And yeah, you mentioned there that the Lucifer agenda, and, and I think what you're referring to there in, um, in terms of the memory wipe and, and the dark elite that took over is what I've always called the Lucifer experiment. Um, and so, some of you, some of you at home may have heard of, um, Lucifer, the fallen angel who wanted to experience what it would be like to, to disconnect from source. So I'm just going to I'm just going to touch on this really loosely as it's a far deeper subject than what 
we have time to go into in this podcast. But in layman's terms, with Atlantis sinking, uh, the vibration of the Earth sank as well, so to speak, hence this like lower third dimension energy that we've been living in since then, as, as Lena spoke about earlier. And again, in very, very simple terms, um, an experiment was undertaken for humanity to experience itself disconnected from source, hence the dark ages that, that Lena was referring to there as well. But I just want to say on this that this experiment was undertaken all in line with the divine. So it was agreed for humanity to have this experience. And as a result of that, we will now um, have the experience of shifting from being separated from source and now going back into becoming one with source and uh, one with each other, which is really what this ascension process is, is, is all about. Um, and as part of this, it, it's important to recognize that even those who are playing their parts in, in this dark agenda are actually playing their parts in line with the divine as part of this experiment that, that is underway. Um, but I know that's a really, really tough thing to get your head around, especially as we start to explore some of the darkness. But yeah, that's maybe one that we can go deeper into in another podcast, maybe. But um, yeah, and, and as you mentioned there, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who have been awakened early uh, in order for them to to play their role in this ascension process, so, so some have been some people have been awoken spiritually, others have been um, woken up to the ugly truth that our that our society unknowingly has its basis in, and some people have woken up to both. Um, now, I'm not a fan of labels, but just, just to simplify things here, we we have we have what are known as the truther community or truthers. And then we have the light workers. So to truth workers, whistleblowers, and I know you mentioned a little bit about whistleblowing yourself there um, earlier, Lena, uh, and then conspiracy theorists, although I'm definitely not a fan of that label either. Um, they, they kind of work in this shadow aspect of our society that, that Lena was referring to there. Um, trying to, trying to expose this ugly truth for all to see. Whilst the light workers, um, well, they work in the light. Um, and they work to hold the energy and frequency of love. So the light workers role, um, well, one of them anyway, and, and there's, there's many different types of light workers as well, but, but their role is to, to turn this darkness that we're speaking of here, to turn this darkness into light and to, and, and the fear and anger that's being created into, into love. So they, they're kind of like alchemists, if you like, turning the dark, heavy energy um, into light, into light energy, or simply just holding the frequency of love. Um, and there's, there's been there's been a little bit of division between the two communities in the past because I think sometimes light workers think that truthers are men, maybe spending too much time in the dark or are stuck in the dark and are creating more of what they of, of what they see um, by focusing on it as as is the law of attraction, whilst truthers often think that maybe light workers are being a little bit naive by just be, by, by just being all love and light uh, when there's so much darkness out there but but now more than ever these these two communities like need to and actually already do seem to to be coming together to understand the importance of each person's role in this ascension process um, now I, I consider myself to be a light worker and have have been very much only working in the light for the past five years or so. But 
when I first woke up to what was going on in, in terms of this darkness in the world that Lena was just referring to, um, I probably spent a good two years or so down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And I, I wrote a few articles on the way we treat cancer, the, the overprescription of, of pharmaceuticals, uh, a few other things, um, which I was guided by Spirit to write. But, but once I had worked my way through my disbelief, anger, uh, and frustration of what was going on in the world and, and found my outlet to express what I was seeing through writing, I didn't feel like that was where I was meant to keep my focus, if you like. So I, I started working solely in the light, but since the lockdown, and I, and I mean literally since day one of the official lockdown here in the UK, um, I've been guided by spirit to, to go back down that rabbit hole, um, to, to reacquaint myself with, with the knowledge that I already had from my previous research and, and from my initial awakening to, to this darkness. Um, but, but also to, to become fully proficient with, with what's happening right now. Um, I had the message from spirit that as, as well as, as well as holding the light and shifting the darkness into the light, I also needed to start helping others to see this truth as well. And it's been made very clear to me that in order for us to be able to ascend, we have to see the truth first, that the dark, ugly truth has to come to the surface. We have to acknowledge it. And that won't be pretty. But as they say, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, I'd actually also really like to take this opportunity to acknowledge and give gratitude to the truthers and, and the whistleblowers who have, who have really like not only had the courage to stay and face the, the dark underbelly of our society for, for long periods of time, but who have, who have also had the, the courage to continually try to bring that truth to the surface whilst being shot down, attacked, ridiculed, mocked. Um, and as I said, I, I spent two years in that place and found the attacks and ridicule really hard to handle. And it, it's also really hard to continually look at the darkness. Um, my, myself and Lena have had, we've both had our own fears and worries about doing this podcast because we're both fully aware of the reaction that, um, that, 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 that bringing some of this information can provoke or, or invoke in people, but we're feeling it so strongly as, as Lena, as Lena touched on there earlier. We're feeling it so strongly and we, we both know that, well, well we both know that we just have to find the balls to play our roles in, in what's going on right now. Um, I, I, um, I actually did a, a future life regression the other week and asked to see something that would empower me to have the courage to fully step into my role and to release my fears around playing my part. And what I was shown was the alternative reality to what I usually, what I usually see. The usual reality being us ascending in love, in oneness, in togetherness to this, to this utopian society that I spoke about in the introduction there. And, uh, just to say that the, the, the introduction was channeled with spirit, by the way. So, um, and the conclusion to the podcast will be as well. Um, but, but what I was shown in this, this future life regression was the reality that we would go into if we don't all 
step up and play our roles and acknowledge this truth. Uh, and believe me, that's not a reality that any of us want to live in. Um, and uh, that was in this life, by the way. I was taken to a future, a future date in this life, not an actual future life. And Lena, you've just obviously spoken a little bit there about how you know the the ascension failed back all, all those years ago when um, when Atlantis fell. Don't get me wrong; like this, this um, I was shown this alternative reality to to scare me into releasing my fears and playing my part. And believe me, it did the trick. But uh, I don't believe in this reality, not because it doesn't exist. It does. And again, just going back to what, what, Lena, what Lena said there, but, but I believe and always have believed. Uh, in fact, I, I don't just believe it. I, I know that we will move into this new higher reality. I mean, I, I've seen this since, since I was a kid I, and, and I've recently, like I've held that vision since I was, since I was a child. And I've, I've recently learned that some light workers hold what are being called the bliss or paradise codes. So we hold the vision of this utopian society, if you like, and we, and we, we, we have the ability to hold the energy for it and to manifest it. Uh, and to then help others to be able to see and manifest it as well. But these two realities, they do exist. Um, and this is also why, uh, this is also why I think there's some division between like truthers and light workers at times, because truthers, truthers will see the reality that exists if, if this dark plan, which we've touched upon and we'll go more into in the podcast, if that really does come into fruition as they're trying to play it right now. Um, Truth is, they, they have to see that. Otherwise, well, they wouldn't have the motivation to, to stay in that dark place for so long or to, to bring the truth to the surface. Although some, you know, some truthers do see the alternative reality as well. And I know, Lena, you're across both there. Um, and then light workers, that they would have more of a focus on the alternative reality, the, 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 the paradise reality or the fifth dimension reality. But um, it does seem, from from what I'm seeing at the moment, anyway, that there's a lot more um, there's there's a lot more of a of a convergence of wisdom between the two groups now, as more people from both communities are coming together and, and seeing both realities. But as I say, what what I'm seeing in my connection with spirit, and and as you can see from the channeled introduction, there we are ascending to this higher reality. We have got this. And when I say we, I mean humanity as a whole, but there's a lot of work to be done for us to get there. Uh, and I think that's why, like, you know, maybe you might see some other or hear other seers or prophets or mediums or truthers. Um, they may be, um, they may be being shown the darker reality at the moment as their role is, uh, is or maybe to inspire people into action or, or into awakening to, to therefore allow us to ascend. Uh, and, it, and it seems like I'm being asked to, to, to play that role at the moment as well. And um, yeah, both myself and, and Lena, we're, we're both um, what is known as indigo children, which, which basically means we have the ability to, to see truth and see lies. And we would feel compelled to act upon those lies which is why we're being asked to, to kind of work within the dark and the light. Um, so, yeah, despite the fact that I consider myself to be a light worker, it, it seems that spirit in its infinite wisdom uh, is guiding me to delve back into the darkness again. And uh, trust me when I say this is not where I want to be. I, I don't want to be talking about this stuff. I like the light. <laughs> but, um, but as I said, like what, what I do know 
is that the truth has to be seen in order for us to ascend. And if this is my role right now, then this is my role. I, I have to honor that. Um, now, now, Lena, I, I know, you know, I know that you work, you work in the light and your practices and, um, your, your spiritual offerings, if you like, are in the light. They're very much in the light. But I know that you have also always had this deep understanding of, of the darkness too, as you've already, already mentioned. And I know that this has had its challenges in your life as, as well as, um, you know, difficulties trying to balance the two. Could you, could you maybe tell us a little bit about how this has affected you or, or maybe you can share, maybe you can share some of your experiences as we then start to explore a little bit more about what we mean about this darkness in our society. Yes, of course. I'd love to. And um, first of all, I just would like to say that it's been so nice to have you <laughs> during this lockdown to be able to talk to somebody else who sees and feels the same mission or calling. So this is the thing is also that the, the power in finding your brothers and sisters upon the planet that are sharing this reality. And we don't have to share a reality to be friends. You know what I mean? But it's, it's just there's just a, a sense of empowerment and finding each other. So yeah, I, I definitely see my role as being a light worker. I also use the word star seed as, and again, like you said, these are just labels. And, but we're like in new territory here in this ascension process. And we're just trying to use words to label a huge experience. So please <laughs> excuse us for the labels, but star seed is also another term that's used in the sense that we, we come from the stars and we come to a planetary system to, in order to upgrade it, to evolve it. Um, some people refer this to claim themselves to be an awakened, awakened individual. Um, conspiracy theorist is like the other word that you use or a truth seeker. And I actually consider myself to be all of them. <laughs> and so for some reason, my, my role has been from the beginning quite, um, encompassing of all of these paths. Um, so I've seen from a young age, um, from a, f without even knowing it or wanting it, that I was actually thrown into experiences that brought me into dark internal states or into the dark or hidden agendas of our society and our religions. Like, for example, why would I be a 12-year-old and be so obsessed with finding about, you know, you know, like just unexplained mysteries or that there's satanic cults doing this type of stuff or as a 20 year old going into mind control victim stuff. I mean, that's really dark and it's really heavy, but I had this thirst. Like I just knew I needed to know I, and I, and it's been insatiable and it still is. So it's kind of like, it's like either it's like you just do it because there's a hunger inside of you, but then there's also things that happen in your life that throw you into dark states, um, or dark things happen to you where you actually get an experience with these forces that it's just like, wow, no one can tell me that it's not real because I had a palpable hard experience with this dark force or whatever it might be. So I see now being older that how this, this mystical, um, that this is a mystical path and it's a shamanic path and it's the path of going into the underworld and having a process and a transformation down there in the darkness, a transmutation of, like you said, facing, facing what's falling apart, facing what hurts, facing the darkness in, in whatever form it takes, transmuting it, working with it, and then coming back from the underworld 
transformed with more insight and more personal power and understanding. And that becomes a gift of wisdom to bring back to the people. So we, again, we referred to the last podcast that we did that spiritual wisdom. And then there people can go much deeper into this process. But it's like that I realize that this is something that I can't control. This is I'm constantly being thwarted into creative and destruction processes. Um, and it's not, I just want to say that there's probably a lot of other people that notice that that happens to them. And I just want to confirm that this is not a comfortable path. It's not an easy path. It's difficult and unsettling. Just even to look at what the dark agendas might be playing out on our planet right now is extremely unsettling. And it, it makes you actually really uncomfortable. Um, and, but we're being asked, we're, we're, we're really being asked to be able to survive these times that we must get comfortable with the, the cycles of creation and destruction of these cyclical catastrophes that we have on the planet and to be able to learn to trust them as overreaching huge cycles that move through the human psyche and through the human experience and through the planetary experience and through the experience of all life in order to ascend, in order to rebirth a new form. So we can't avoid it. And the more we avoid it, the, the, the more messy it becomes. So we're being asked to really look at these cycles, to look at the, the darkness in the eye. Because one thing I forgot to mention before that ascension is shadow work. Again, there's been like this new age fluffy or overlay of like of, of a Christian paradigm that we just leave. Someone takes us away. We ascend to paradise and then everything's taken care of, you know, or beings take away some from the planet or we're all in love and light now and everything's going to be fine. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you can't skip the part where you need to do your shadow work. You need to get down and deep and dirty. You have to get angry. You have to face fear. You have to face the lower part of your nature, your role in it. You have to face the way that things have become destructive and entropic on a microcosm level, to a macrocosm level, to a personal level, to a societal level. This is huge, but we have to go through it. Like I said in the last podcast, the only way out is through. So... Um, through this death and rebirth cycle, you have to be also be willing to lose everything in order to receive a new structure. And I think what we're being presented right now is that people have lost jobs. We're losing faith in authorities that we trusted before in organizations where, you know, who knows what's going to be happening. We might be losing, have a complete economic collapse. Let's see. But we're obviously we're losing a way of life in order to receive a new structure that is being born through right now and through what's going to be happening once we get out into lockdown and, and the way that we're going to react as a human, human race and the, the, the new solutions that we come up with and the resistance to that which is the old order, to that which is entropic, to that which is forcing destruction upon this planet. We are being asked to step up. Um, so... Being a truth worker, a truth seeker, being a shamanic mystical practitioner that has been having to face this darkness on my own personal life and on larger cycles again and again, can say that it's a scary time. And at the same time, it's such a beautiful path. It's lonely for like you, you don't want to look at this. 
We so don't want to do it. And it actually separates us sometimes from the tribe or the group of the people, our families. Sometimes it reflects, it separates us from our friends. And we sometimes don't even get a chance to reflect about this with people. So I am quite out there probably as a psychologist and a yoga teacher and a light worker or shamanic, shamanic practitioner, mind priestess, but I'm, I'm not really out there yet. This is kind of my coming out of the closet as a truth speaker on social media, like as we're doing today, I've done it in little pockets here and there, but, um, I'm feeling this calling that I must speak, you know, it must be coming out of this body and my voice now in a different way. So I know what it feels like to, that it's lonely and that we've all had that experience. If that, if you're out there and you've been a truth seeker and a truth speaker and you found that you stopped speaking about it because you were so tired of someone calling you conspiracy theorist or not understanding or sometimes getting downright angry at you, targeting you, scapegoating you, telling, saying that you're insane, that you need to take medication. Or sometimes we get this reaction when we speak truth that there's a kind of like this blank checkout mm, feeling in people's eyes. Like they just, we just lost them there. And then they start talking, they change the subject. And you're like, I just told you about like how they're destroying or a dark agenda. And you act like you don't care. And you start talking about the weather, right? That's extremely hard to go through. And even I would like to say that even some of my awake and aware friends, and this is maybe what you were talking to, Nayabi, before, that some of the star seeds or light workers just don't want to get into that yucky, ugly stuff, dark agenda stuff. Um, and I've even had really wise, awake friends tell me that I was perpetuating the darkness and I was actually creating the darkness by giving so much attention to it, by looking at it. And again, this insatiable truth or like kind of like the indigo revolutionary spirit in me always was saying no because you know i i need to look at this what do you mean i'm perpetuating the darkness so this feedback that i got from my awake and aware friends that just wanted to be in love and light it always irked me because i was like you know i had to stand up and and it took me a little while and say no you know what i'm not perpetuating the dark agendas by looking at them i am dissolving them and I want to say that there's people listening to this right now, and there's so many of you out there on the planet that you have been dissolving the dark agendas by looking at them, by being a truth seeker, by digging deep, by looking at that which no one wanted to look at, by being disgusted at the dark forces of humanity, the dark things that we have been doing to, to so many groups, children, the planet, so on and so forth, um, that you've actually been dissolving that darkness by looking at it, by researching it. And that some of us have this capacity to look at the darkness and not be scared. And I'm not saying that we're invincible, that we're, we're immune from fear, because I can guarantee you in my dark research, I have had moments of like, oh my God, I have been so freaked out that I needed to take a step away for one week, two days, three months, six months, because something I looked at freaked me out. But what we do is that we don't stop. We return, we breathe through it, we transmute the fear, and then we're ready again to go deep, to go deep again and to look at it again. And we transmute it, and then it doesn't become so scary. 
So I know that one of my roles, also you, Nayabi, and many people out there, that we're, we're called, we're role, our role here is to look at what lies underneath the carpet, the filth, with our eyes of consciousness, with our awakened eyes, with our love, with our light, with our service to other deep Christ conscious heart, you know, we are just being the being that you are. You are transforming the darkness. We are transmuting it. We are healing it by being so brave that we look at it and we reveal it. And once it's revealed, it starts to loosen its dark power over us. Just like you light a candle in a dark room, you start to see what's there and it takes away the black hole. It takes away that, that dark nebulous thing where they could operate in the dark shadows and we start to dissolve it. Even if we never get to a position of power, even if we never, you know, get to make any political decision, we are all participating in this and we all have a role and there is no role that is too small. So we're not alone in doing this. We, many of us know that we're here on the planet at this time doing this collective sacred work. And of course it would be different if we were looking at the dark agendas and falling into fear and then fear mongering and spreading all the panic and fear all around us and shaking people up without being very sound and sane within the material ourselves, very grounded. That's a different thing. That's fear mongering. But here we are, we're grounded. Every bit of fear that we came upon, we transmuted. We're steady. We're strong. We're anchored in earth. Our body isn't anchored. Our spirit is anchored in our body. And we're seeing, we're transmuting the fear. We're changing it. We're weakening the grip of darkness. So we all have different roles to play. And I just really want to say that it doesn't need to be that big or that grandiose. (laughs) It can be like many people right now, just waking up and being like, wow, I didn't know. And now I'm curious and I'm willing to look. It could be simple as just doing your shadow work, taking care of your inner junk. (laughs) That is going to be helping the whole process. Or it could be writing a petition and getting people to sign it or speaking to your senators or making those phone calls or making a speech in front of a lot of people or people in the high echelons that actually have political power. It's, it's all of us together. We all have our role and every role is equally valid and just as big. Yeah. I mean, well, well, you know, well, well said there. And, and, and as we, as I said earlier, um, you know, you and I have both had quite a lot of work to do just in terms of, of bringing this podcast because we've had, our, you know, our own fears that we've had to work around, around that. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things doesn't, you know, we, we've, we've been doing our shadow work for a long time, but there's still more to go. And, you know, you know, we, we're yeah. certainly not exempt from this, from this ascension process. You know, we're, we're, we're going deeper and deeper and deeper and doing the work to, to, to get us where we need to be, um, to play our roles in this process as well. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, um, you mentioned going deep and dirty there. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's probably the type. <laughs> I think it's probably the uh the time of the podcast where where um where we do need to start going deep and dirty. So maybe you could um start speaking to us a little bit about what the deep state are and you know what what kind of roles they're playing right now. Yeah, so let's get down and dirty. <laughs> and before I do that, um and we do this together, um I just want to say something about again to reiterate that our intentions here are not to spread fear or create fear. 
at all. And so we're really just coming from a gentle place. And that, again, some of these things that we might be going into now may evoke fear in your system. And that is okay. And it's normal. Um, because some of the things that we are going to be talking about may be trigger what feels like to your body, mind, spirit as a threatening situation. And that is normal and human for that to trigger fear. And some of the plans that um, elite or people in power and control have for us is just downright unfair, unjust, unloving, and not in respect of our basic human rights or our sovereignty. Um, so, yeah, when we see those things, we get a little bit freaked out. Because when people invade us like that or infringe upon our well-being, that naturally invokes the sense of uncomfortability or a sense of threat. So if you feel fear during this podcast um, or at any other time um, that you may be exploring this new inf new coming information that's quite rampant on the planet right now, just acknowledge that it's happening. I feel fear. Tell yourself it's okay. It's human. It's normal. Take care of yourself so that if that means stopping the podcast or just putting it down for a while or any article that you're reading or any documentary you might watch in the future. And just do something after that that makes you feel calm, nourished, peaceful, and grounded in the body. And then just decide when you're ready, if you are ready at all, if you ever want to go back into that direction or that piece of information that you're exploring. Um, and if you do want to, then do so. And if you decide it's not for you, then that's fine. Um, you don't need to. No one's demanding it of you. I also encourage always seeking help from others and finding others that you can see, speak to safely and not be called a maniac. <laughs> and um, yet if you feel, for example, um, that after a break that you can pick up the research or begin to look at it again, again, I, I highly encourage that if it's in your being, if it's in your um, nature to do so, in your willpower to do so, because again, this is this collective ascension process and awakening process happens through our eyes, our voice, our vibrational quality, our understanding of what the dark agendas might be. Well, thank you, Lena. I mean, I, I think it's really important that you that you set up uh, that you set that up like that because, as you said, we're not here to cause fear. We're simply here to try to help with this process in 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 the way that we're being guided to do, and very much from a place of love. So let's get deep and dirty, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so. Um, again, I'm going to be setting this up in, in different stages to, in order to get the big picture. Okay. So now we're going to take an honest look at the forces that are present here on this planet in humans and all facets of society. So we've already referred, um, to, yeah, some darker agendas, um, throughout this podcast already as forces of darkness, evil, service to self. And the more lighter for forces is light, love and service to others. So I know that these are generalizations, but for the sake of explaining what we're about to explain, we're going to refer to them in this way. So if we look at what we've seen throughout all time in myths, legends, holy books and scriptures, cuneiform texts, literature, history, 
And more modernly, movies, there's this classic battle between good and evil, creation and destruction. We see it being played out throughout all of these forms of relaying stories. And we need to maybe perhaps ask why. Why do we have this battle between the light and the dark? Is this just something that we're making up? Or is this battle or interplay between these two forces real? In my opinion, this has been a theme throughout all time because these forces are real. They move through every aspect of our life, society, and human psyche. And we have the free will and choice in every moment whether or not to participate in one of these forces. And it actually, we choose in every moment according to how we choose to live our lives, what we choose to think, how we choose to behave, what we choose to do. So these forces have been present before the times of Atlantis and Lemuria, and even before there has been life on Earth. So when I refer to the last ascension cycle, we had 26,000 approximately years ago, which again was our organic birthright to ascend to another level of consciousness. And I also referred to that it was hijacked by forces of darkness. In this case, an elite occult collective consciousness that hijacked the ascension timeline, our right to ascend, happened. And thus we fell into the dark ages and we got essentially cut off from our source, like you'd said. And we forgot who we were and this system in which we live now became entropic and fully taken over by a group that intended to control and feed off of humanity. This force has never gone away. It has only become more pervasive. And today we're going to explain a little bit about how we can see it playing out right now before our eyes, for we are finally now at the dawn of our next ascension cycle. And we have the chance to reclaim our birthright, to ascend and to take our power back and to create a new world where we serve each other, all creatures and the planet with creative life force energy. And thus, we will be allowed to evolve and experience true freedom. Now the time has come, and this is also why we are suddenly finding ourselves in this great planetary drama underneath this lockdown. So let's just, I mentioned the term entropy, entropic entropy. Let's just look at what this might mean. And again, I'm going to refer to a quote by Lisa Renee, who I mentioned earlier. So she says, in science, Entropy is defined as a loss of energy in human systems and makes the tendency of that system to become increasingly disorganized and less efficient due to gradual energy loss within the system. Entropy or the loss of energy is what makes a system break down, fall apart, instigate chaos, and function far less efficiently. Understanding how the concept of entropy works from micro to macro levels in our universe will help us to understand the impact and effect of energy loss, energy siphoning, and energetic harvesting made upon living systems. It is supportive to our spiritual growth to understand this and consciousness expansion to be able to identify when and where entropy is present and influencing our lives in order to clear or resolve its harmful effects. So this is what the purpose of this conversation is. It's actually to kind of look at how this entropic system is affecting our lives. And particularly now, since um, a lot of, I would say, very worrying things are being rolled out in front of our eyes in society. 
that's directly going to affect how we live upon this planet. So yes, let's, let's look now a little bit closer on how this is playing out. So uh, again, remember the attitude that we invited you to have about what if this is true? Again, we're not invested in you believing this, but what if some of what we're saying is true? Okay. Curious mind. <laughs> so there are control pillars of society. I'd like to say that there's five main pillars of, of structures that use this anti-human entropic influence on, and it infects all planetary affairs. These pillars of society are manipulated through the predator mind. Again, the service to self attitude, mind control, and it also shapes all world organizations through the agenda of control enforced by the power elite classes. The power elite's intention is to create slaves of the population through these pillars of society, which we are about to discuss. They do this through sophisticated technology and psychological warfare to promote anti-human or anti-life belief systems and to get humans to enforce their own enslavement and sickness while using victim-victimizer vi victim techniques of intimidation, bullying, and threats to keep people obeying what we could call false gods and authorities through fear tactics. So let's ground this some information a little bit and let's look at the five pillars. So one pillar would be called the power elites or the controllers. So they are a small group of people who act as the main controllers of our world. They actually conjure black magic through dark rituals in order to control the entire planet through the manipulation of collective consciousness through fear-based programming that is transmitted via mind control. To reinforce the fear programming and keep the population in a vibration of fear and separation, they organized a complex system of global institutions to act as the primary enforcer of the propagation of the disinformation that they use to influence people, to self-enforce the belief systems that shape the narrative of 3D reality. This group of people are at the high echelons of the power pyramid. We do not see most of these people as public figures, but some of them we do, but I, I would say that they were, they're like kind of the lower levels. The traces of this group that we do recognize in public society is just scratching the surface of this dark cabal. And the people that we recognize in this power ring may have a lot of power. Yes. Yet they are still puppets to the forces and the people that stand behind them. This group has been referred to throughout time with many names and the names are irrelevant and sometimes misleading. The most important thing to know is that they exist and they do have, not have, humanity's best interest in mind. They actually feed off of and profit from humanity's strife, even as they show up with the face of the helper, the savior, the philanthropist, the hero, the politician, that is finally going to be different and offer us change. I said before they have lots of names, okay? And, and then I don't want these names to throw you off, but they've been called many things. So I'm just going to throw some of these names out there, like Illuminati, Dark Cabal, Deep State, the Dark Controllers. Okay, so these are just some of the names. And so they have representatives in different organizations and groups, such as, for example, just these are just some of them, the Committee of 300, the Bilderberg Group, the UN, the WHO, the World Bank, the Federal Reserve, royal families, particularly the royal family of England, and certain families um, being evolved, which some of the names that are commonly heard are the Rockefellers. And the Rockefellers are actually 
connected to the U.S. cabal, and the Rothschilds is um, connected to the European side of the cabal, which is kind of very much more old school, old tradition. Um, the Clintons, the Bush family. So the dark cabal operates worldwide. Um, but just some of the three main control power centers are the three city states that are independent of the countries that they are actually located in. And they actually have their own laws and regulations. Um, although they might be, for example, in Italy. So that Vatican is one of these power centers, the city of London. And the District of Columbia, which is in Washington, D.C. So these are kind of like major power centers of this dark cabal, but there's probably more, but these are just three really big centers upon the planet. So again, if we can kind of imagine a pyramid, we're going to explain it like this. At the top, we have an unseen group, okay? Um, people that we will probably never, ever see. And under them... There's some known and unknown people to us that are present in these groups and organizations that organize a society. Under them, there are people that we're even more familiar with that are directly in the political arena that we get to vote into office. Um, some of them are the, like, again, philanthropists, Hollywood actors, musicians, media figures that are very popular. Um, so these people, Although they may seem very powerful, they are actually just very much puppets of what's at the top of the pyramid. So one needs to really dig deep and do one's own research to see how this is all being played out. The information is available to us from researchers, whistleblowers, insiders leaking intel, ancient texts, etc. It is all there. All you need to do is look. And now we're in, in the great revealing time. And so now this information is more available than it has ever been before. Part of this ascension cycle and the great revelation is that all corruption and all levels of society is now being revealed. And it has been for so, quite some time. And I mean, I think we've been seeing this and I'll just name some of the few things that have been revealed to us over the last, you know, say 10 years. Um, first of all, mass surveillance programs by the NSA that Snowden revealed, you know, great hero whistleblower. I consider him to be a hero. <laughs> um, Absolutely. The pedophile. Yeah. What a, he sacrificed his whole life for a cause, right? And he's mm. not dead, but he can't live freely in society. So I consider that to be a hero. And he's one of these people, you know, that's like, couldn't go on living, holding this within. And most whistleblowers are become whistleblowers because they cannot live knowing that their information could actually assist humanity in this awakening process. Um, another thing that's been revealed recently, not recently, but like, yeah, I don't know exactly, but I would say in the last decade is just more and more pedophile rings within the Vatican, Catholic church, and recently within the U S Senate, the Clinton foundation, world elites. I, and, and I'm referring here to the Epstein case and the Pizzagate case. Um, 911 being a false flag event. This is also coming out. Um, mind control and sex slave victims coming out and really giving us their testimony about how they've been used by dark government operatives to, as sex slaves or to kill, um, politicians or people that they would like to wipe out. Um, so they generally become assassins. 
And um, recently, Dr. Judy Mikovits revealing the corruption in the pharmaceutical and vaccine industry, etc. So there's a lot of things, and there's just some of the examples. And now we're just going to be seeing even more the acceleration of all this, the, all the corruption being revealed to us. There, I just wanted to mention before I go on to mention the other groups. So we just started with the power of elites, but these groups use five tactics to um, really dupe us that and to really spread their anti-human value systems in the public arena. So one is divide and conquer. So old war tactic, divide the people against each other. And we're really seeing this now through the whole, um, like the whole virus, um, thing, like people being against each other, people who think the virus is just another virus. Some people who think it's actually, you know, something that's to be really be feared. People who are anti-vaccination, people who are pro-vaccination and so on and so forth. The divide of the people is just so obvious now it's becoming even more obvious where before we had political parties you know different races you know um different colors of skin male male and female but they they know that if they can divide the people the, the people are easier to be conquered okay because we're not united we're not as one and then this whole victim victimizer Thing that per permeates every aspect of our relationships and our society. This is not, not, not one of their tactics that they actually set up these scenarios for us to fall into. Sexual abuse and sexual misery is another one. Child abuse and child sacrifice is another one. And the fifth is misogyny. So keeping those in mind as tactics, as, as I, I'm explaining the other levels of the, the, the pillars of control. Number two, is the military industrial complex. So the USA and other countries um, start wars and conflicts. So they actually start the conflicts and then they make money off the weapons that they sell to both sides of the conflicting parties. So for example, like a company like Lockheed Martin, you know, once they bomb a whole country to pieces, a company like Lockheed Martin comes in and rebuilds the whole country and they cash in on misery on war. And for example, the Rothschilds have ac actually profited from both sides of every war that has ever happened. <laughs> um, so these are just like things that make you wonder like, wow, you know, they're setting up the whole chessboard and playing both sides. And just to name some of these major companies in the industrial military complex um, that profits from war, one is General Dynamics Corporation, the other one, Raytheon. Another one is Northrop, Grunman Corp, Boeing, and Lockheed Martin Corporation, which I already mentioned. The third pillar is intelligence agencies, covert groups, and governments, secret governments, and secret parts of government. For example, like the CIA, FBI, Secret Space Program, NSA, British Intelligence Agency, um, MI5. Majestic 12. And they, you know, I'm just going to name some of the projects that they have implemented, like Project Monarch, MKUltra, Operation Paperclip, Project Stargate, Project Bluebird, etc. There are so many programs. And if you're interested, you can just even dive into doing research into some of these projects that I just named, and your eyes will really just open really wide. <laughs> And you'll be like, wow, I had no idea because some of the, these programs are very, very 
sinister and very concerning. I think some eyes might pop out of heads there. Yeah, for sure. Mine definitely have many times. <laughs> These fear moments, right? These moments of fear that we talked about that you and I both have gone through, Nayabi, um, in our research over the last God knows how long. For me, it's been 25 years. You know, it's things like these kind of projects that have made me scared, freaked Absolutely. out. And I had to take, take it slow and to really digest that this actually is happening. And the, the best testimony is from the people that have been in the programs. Those are the ones, the survivors, um, the super soldiers and the victims of mind control that are coming out and speaking. Um, their testimony is extremely touching, although it's ghastly and it's horrid. But I choose to listen to the whole thing and everything that they're saying. Because can you imagine that you go through such torture, abuse, um, horror of all kinds, and then you come out and you speak about it and no one believes you and they just write you off as crazy. I just think that that's even worse, you know. And so common in our society, isn't it? Right. And just some other... Um, programs that are quite important that these intelligent agencies and covert groups are implementing is the geoengineering program, which is often heard more known more as chemtrailing, eugenics and transhumanism. And these are really in our face right now. And um, so that's why I'm mentioning them as it's very important to understand what geoengineering is, eugenics and transhumanism. And we'll get a little bit into that later. Fourth pillar the religious, academic, financial, and medical institutions, okay? So the pharma industry is so corrupt, and it really does not have our best interest in mind. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today, but just look into the history. It's right there. It's not hard to see. And for the corruption of the whole entire financial system, I really recommend watching Zeitgeist movies. They're very long, one, two, and three, but they really break down understanding where money comes from, the history of it, and so on and so forth to see how we're being duped as well with our whole entire financial system. Academic system is also corrupt. Universities are funded by many of these top organizations and institutions, and they dictate what we can learn, how we need to learn it, and they actually lose funding if the teachers don't follow the protocol. And then, of course, there's religious corruption and control, and we don't have to look that hard to find that. Just like I mentioned, look at history and look at also just the pedophiles within the Catholic Church. So I'm not anti-religion at all, and I want to make that clear. I might be speaking about the atrocities of some of these organizations, but I believe that within every religion, there is a kernel of truth. And particularly when you go to the more mystical sides of each religion, there is truth there and there is a light, but there's also a lot of um, political agendas that is weaved through the text. You know, like just for example, if you just look at how many times the Bible has been rewritten and so on and so forth. And then pillar number five, controlled media and the press. So... This is really hard for people sometimes to wrap their mind around, and they really dismiss when you say the media is controlled. But the media is owned by six corporations. I'm going to name them here. National Amusements, Disney, Time Warner, Comcast, News Corp, and Sony. So every media news outlet 
that is allowed to be in the mainstream, right? I'm not talking somebody setting up their own YouTube channel, right? But um, I'm talking about these major names I just mentioned. All of the they own all of that lie, all of the other channels, newspapers, TV channels, radio stations, and they dictate what they do and do not say. So again, another pyramid. I just named some of the some of the beings at the top of the pyramid, and then you have all of the rest of our media um, filtering down here. And this includes the music industry, and this includes um, Hollywood films, and so on and so forth. So I'm just going to name some of the the, the the strategies of the controlled media, just some of them, because what we need to know is to know what their tactics are. And while I'm naming these, try to think about what's happening in the mainstream media right now, because if you know what their strategies are, then you can see through what's being spewed to you on the radio and the, and the mainstream news right now. Okay. So one thing they do is they have a strategy of distraction, distracting us. So either with commercials every 12 minutes breaking up the thing or distracting us with, you know, who, what Hollywood figure wore what at what Academy Award or who's coming out with what new album or whatever. I mean, it, we're just so distracted that we've actually been able, they are, they're able to just keep us very uninformed and quite like stupefied and caring about these Hollywood and media figures and actors and worshiping them. And we'll never even meet them. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we build our lives around these things instead of perhaps paying attention to what's really important, like what's really going to affect our lives. Another tactic of, of distraction is putting out a news scandal while they are doing something else at the same time. So when all eyes are looking over there where they are pointing and directing us to look, they do something else over here. And then it does not go out in the media for the other news story. Focus or scandal takes over everyone's attention. Number two, they, they create problems and then they offer solutions. This is also one of the tactics of the cabal, um, is, um, problem solution. So for example, creating an economic crisis. And then after they've created it, making, implementing certain structures in society. Um, that limit our social and human rights, our social, you know, right to free speech and the dismantling of public services, which is happening right now. Or, oh no, we have a, a very, you know, fearful virus, right? Then, oh, but look, we have the vaccine. This is being presented to us, you know, problem solution. So let me flesh this out a little bit more. So we have a virus. A virus that in the end of the day is turning out to be equivalent to the regular flu. I know that this was something new and perhaps in that unknown new territory, one may feel that the lockdown measures were necessary. Now we are coming out of the initial concern over what was happening with people getting sick. Yet despite the new figures of the actual COVID deaths coming out and many doctors, researchers and scientists coming out all over the world, with a completely different picture of what is going on. A completely different picture from the mainstream media. And they are not changing the beat of their drum. They are continuing with keeping us away from each other, our work. They are censoring us. 
taking people's platforms and messages down, firing people that have a different perspective. They're indicating like to us that there's a plan to take away our right to consent, our right to choose what we are putting into our bodies, like a vaccine, for example, dictating to us how we should treat illness or the ecosystem within our own bodies as if they own our bodies. They're implementing an idea that in order to participate in society, work, travel, we must override our freedom and sovereignty. They have allowed now for everyone to be tracked from their phones, overriding our right to privacy, and then on top of all this, orchestrating an economic crisis that is crippling the people financially while the rich get richer. Every economic crisis has been planned and implemented by the elite, and the banks and corporations cash in every time. When we go through an economic crisis, we should spread and distribute the wealth, yet it always becomes a hoarding process by the elite. This is a crime against humanity. And again, I would refer to the Zeitgeist movies 1, 2, and 3 to get a deeper understanding of how this happens. Later on, we will get into how this current conflict may have been created and why. Again, there's a created orchestrated problem and then the solutions they are offering us, like mass surveillance, vaccinations, dependency on the state, the shutting down of small businesses, and entrepreneurial progress, totalitarian measures, and the infringement of human rights, all for a virus that at this point is not causing more deaths than the common flu. We really need to ask why the mainstream media is not catching up and changing the rhetoric. Could it be that they have an agenda that they have planned to implement, and they just hope that we are broken, fearful, and distracted enough to not care or do something about the infringement of our basic human rights. Number three, they gradually desensitize us over time. So little by little, over the many years, they give us little bits of this information, this information, this information, instead of blasting us all at once. And they, they depend on us to be distracted and to forget. So we don't see the whole picture. They trickle in the, the, the control and the, yeah, what they have planned for us bit by bit. And then there is a strategy of using emotional reactions more than reflection. So provoking fear, for example, provoking desires, um, addiction, in, inducing certain behaviors in us. And right now it is called fear. They are fear-mongering through the, the mainstream media, and they are fear-mongering to the extent that we're willing. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't, but I'm quite concerned that people will be willing to give up their basic human rights and right to consent um, for the sake of safety from a virus. Um, and keeping us in ignorance and mediocrity. So really just not giving us the facts, not really educating us. And you can also just see this in some school systems, many school systems that we're being dumbed down. We're actually not getting smarter. Of course, it depends on the country and the system. But yeah, I think that's, that's definitely another one. The media also keeps us in ignorance when they do not report the facts. We put so much faith in the institutions, media, and governments to take care of us and have our best interest in mind, then we sometimes don't question what they're telling us. We don't question if they may be misleading us. 
And then strengthening self-blame and depression. So letting individuals blame others for their misfortune or oneself, for example. And this is being played out right now like that, you know, they're playing this whole thing that you could cause the virus. You could spread it. You could kill the elderly by your irresponsible movement within society, right? So we're really, there's a lot of psychological warfare going on currently in the media that that's making us quite confused. Another psychological warfare tactic is this whole thing about asymptomatic carriers. Not only are we being presented with fear of a supposed pandemic, but they're also setting us up to fear each other. Anyone can have it. An invisible enemy that you can get, it can get you at any time without any warning and no clue to where its, where its whereabout is. Viruses and getting sick has always been a possibility, a risk. And never before did we go about in society like hypochondriacs, fearing a virus, fearing germs, fearing what we touch, who we touch, how close we stand to each other. I feel that some of the messages being spread right now and the consequences of these messages to be very dangerous to the human psyche are relationships and how we are in public space. So I understand that we were, we were scared in the beginning because this, this virus was unknown to us and we didn't know how it was going to play out. But what I'm saying as well is that there's just, it's, it's very sensitive to start spreading all this fear through the media and repeating it over and over again to the point where people can, can start to get an anxiety, paranoia, the, the increase Increasing fear that, that builds up in your system, you know, with these stories can be quite damaging to the psyche. So I've decided for myself that I cannot live like that. Constantly thinking, oh no, what did I touch? Does that person have it? Did I get it today? It's mind racking. And living like this can cause mental illness, increase tendencies of mental illness and paranoia in already vulnerable at risk populations. Humans need movement, touch, community, and freedom to be psychologically healthy. So I know and admit that in the face of a, a real pandemic, you know, we will have to take extreme measures of restriction in order to control something. And that naturally will have a psychological consequence. The point here is that the information from many countries and experts are saying that this is not what we thought it to be. So therefore, we must change our tactic in order to not cause more damage than we already have caused. So those were the five pillars, okay? So they have these different tools, mass media, mind control, programming, GMOs, which has also made us sick, sick vaccines, pharma that makes us sick, war, strife, traumatizing us over and over again. EMF radiation, 5G, pollution, pesticides, etc. All of this is contributing us to us be vibrating at a lower level, again, keeping us in 3D. And moreover, it is um, making us sick, physically sick, you know, and not able to thrive, especially when we're in a fight, flight, freeze response, because the living in this world is so traumatizing at this time. Right now, before we go on, I would like to stop 
and have us all take a deep breath and check in to how you are feeling. Again, we're all in different places in regard to this information. And if you are already aware of most of these things, then maybe it does not impact you with the type of intensity that it might if this news was new to you. So I'm also aware that there's a lot of people that are just opening their eyes to this reality and this reality can be very shocking. So I'm reiterating here that you and I, Nabi, understand this for we have gone through it ourselves. A lot of this information is shocking and it can trigger our emotions, our fear. It can also be so foreign to our worldview that we merely consider it to not be true. Denial and disbelief are part of this process. And there's also a choice, a choice in even deciding if we want to consider it at all, adopt these viewpoints, or take it in. I just want to remind everyone that shock, disbelief, and fear are normal states to go through. And if you want to go further, you can. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. I also would like to remind people that to find your breath, so let's take a deep breath right now. And then just as we're breathing deeply and feeling our breath, let's just acknowledge that we are supported by a divine, benevolent force. And the point of looking at this information is to be aware of what is happening so that we can do something about it. Awaken and take back our power. Make wise choices and know how to protect ourselves. We are extremely powerful beings, and there are prophets, seers, mediums, and spiritual guides all over this world helping us. These systems that we're talking about here are crumbling, and they eventually will have no more power over us. So once we raise our vibration and begin to download love, self-empowerment, self-knowing, and shift into a higher state of consciousness, we actually become protected from these agendas and forces. So in a mindful moment right now, let's just all reaffirm that al although this information is shocking, all is well. From the solid groundedness that we might feel right now, just like a sense, a little sense of peace, let us continue. So another thing to understand is that the dark cabal has a very strategic plan and plans that they are implementing over a long period of time. These plans are implemented over hundreds of years, if not thousands. And it is so slow and gradual that it can be hard for us to see the bigger picture. One of these plans is called the New World Order Agenda. We have heard many presidents, prime ministers, and world leaders refer to this New World Order. Yet let us take a closer look at what it entails. So one aspect is this kind of already what we talked about, that um, their plan is to be implemented gradually. So we've already kind of talked about that. In a way, this has occurred on an organizational level in the last hundred years in the formation of organizations over a long period of time. And I'm just going to name some of these examples. And all of these organizations that I'm naming here now have to do with the centralization of power. So in 1913, we had the establishment of the U.S. Federal Reserve, 1919, League of Nations, 1944, the International Monetary Fund. 1945, the United Nations. 1945, the World Bank. 
1948, the WHO, the World Health Organization. 1993, the European Union and the Euro currency. 1998, the World Trade Organization. 2002, the African Union. And 2008, Union of South American Nations. So all of these organizations are implemented by the dark cabal. And again, it's about centralization of power. Another part of their agenda is totalitarianism, enforced by the UN or various other organizations and the implementation of martial law. Another part of it is mass surveillance through microchip implants and through the mass surveillance programs implemented through DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and amongst many others that we might not even be naming here. And then another aspect of the New World Agenda and kind of a leg in this is that there, this group is based on ancient occult practices that are maintained by Gnostics, Kabbalists, Cathars, Hermeticism, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, and the Illuminati. And these groups have a covert agenda, which is actually the worship of occult spiritual hierarchies that in their base are Luciferian antichristic. We will not go so deep into this and in information here, for the subject is vast and deep. Yet this is what I'm saying here, that it's connected, these groups are connected to all of this information that's coming out slowly around ritual, satanic sexual abuse of adults and children, child sex trafficking, and traumatic occult rituals that release a hormone into the blood of those being terrorized and traumatized called andiochrome, and that these occult elites drink this blood in order to maintain youth, evoke superhuman powers, and have, um, and it's just, it's this andiochrome is ex extremely physically addictive and it's highly stimulating. So that there's this whole occult practice within the new world of agenda to maintain this occult group and practice of kind of feeding themselves with this high of, of traumatized, particularly children um, that release endiochrome into the blood before they drink it. So I know that's very hard to take, but this is also actually being revealed at this time. Then we have mind control, which we've already talked about through ma mass media consensus, fear-mongering, and, and various psyops, and then population and control. That's ultimately being implemented through the GMOs, which cause infertility and cancer, geoengineering, vaccine programs, and war. So like I said, it's a gradual plan, this new world agenda. And sometimes it has a very quick implementation phases, often set in place right after a false flag event. So this thing I'm calling a false flag event, this is a kind of an event that's orchestrated, although it may seem to be a natural consequence or occurrence, yet both sides are being played by the same force. In order to implement more of their agenda, particularly the new world order agenda, and this is often done through shock and fear. Sometimes parts of these plans have been purposely revealed and leaked through books like 1984 and Brave New World, and so many movies and books, other books. Sometimes world leaders come right out and say things that you would only catch if you knew the bigger picture. One such example is from a man named Aaron Russo. He's an entertainment businessman, a filmmaker, and a political activist 
that had become friends with Nicholas Rockefeller, which is definitely connected to the Rockefeller family and again, connected to the dark cabal. And Nicholas Rockefeller, as his friend, admitted to him that he was working with a group of people whose goal it was to create a one world government by the bankers. They had a plan to implement chips into the world's population that would ultimately force people to be slaves to the system. He also told him 11 months before 9-1-1 that the U.S. was going to invade Afghanistan, run pipelines from the Caspian Sea, invade Iraq to take over the oil fields and extend their bases in the Middle East, go after Chavez in Venezuela and create a war on terror with no real enemy. And that the whole thing was going to be a hoax, a false flag event. He asked him what the goal of such a plan was, thinking, you know, they already have like so much money. They're one of the richest families in the world. You know, why would they care or why would they want to do this? And Nicholas Rockefeller answered that their goal is to create a false flag event, an endless war on terror that would cause people to be in fear and willing to give up their rights. The end goal was and is mass surveillance, totalitarianism, centralized government, and depopulation. So again, the same words and the same agendas that I just presented. And this is coming out of this man's mouth, this man, Nicholas Rockefeller. So there is so much information supporting that 911 was a false flag event. And there's so many well-grounded documentaries out there to see if anyone feels called to go deeper. But this is an example that Everything that we saw happen after 911 was actually told by Nicholas Rockefeller to this man, Aaron Russo, 11 months before it happened. Now that we've established that, let us look at what is currently occurring to see how another level of planetary control might be playing out right before our eyes right now. I'm going to present something first here because it made me really curious um, and quite freaked out because it's like... This document is called Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development, and it was created by the Global Business Network and the Rockefeller Foundation. So remember what I said about the the dark cabal and the Rockefeller family being one big hand within this cabal? So when you see that, you makes you wonder, right? So this was created in 2010. So keep that in mind as I'm talking about this. It's a 60-page document. And it's a scenario narrative written in the past tense simulating what would happen if we had a worldwide pandemic. And if you go through this, it's quite crazy because it's like, wow, this is happening now. And they wrote this in 2010. And you have to question, was this planned? Like, how could they, you know, what's going on here? You know, they're saying this in 2010, it's happening now. So If we look carefully at this document and the website, which it comes from, which actually has a lot more information, um, it's almost like this huge grid where you can click on different areas and deepen and see videos and hear test, like hear like voiceovers and everything. But we look carefully just at this document. We find information about a pandemic that creates a world shutdown, thus an economic crisis. And thus, more control measures put in place to monitor us, such as biometric IDs for all citizens, called ID 2020, and this is something that they are rolling out right now and talking about in the mainstream, 
So these IDs that will track us and all of our movements, connect us to a digital one-world currency. Um, this document also talks about a world vaccination program and thus a digital immunity proof in order to be able to participate again in society and have the right to travel. Um, and this is all made possible by a 5G rollout. So you, it really has to make you wonder, like, wow, oh, what this is all being talked about. We have all of the we have all the ingredients that they talked about in 2010, a pandemic. ID 2020, a digital like ID biometric system that's inside of our body, a vaccination that's being pushed on us. That's actually going to get this nanotechnology inside of our body. We have an economic crisis on our hands now and totalitarian more control. So if we go to page 18 of this document, we will see a scenario called lockstep. And here's the description of lockstep. A world of tighter top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. So they're saying that they're kind of going to be taking more control over us which limit, limits innovation, small businesses, you know, creativity, because we're in a strife kind of survival situation. And then, of course, they're actually expecting us to push back um, due to the control that's being implemented upon us. So now I'm going to read directly from this document. Again, it's written in the past tense, even though it was written in 2010, because it's a scenario narrative of what could happen. So even the most pandemic-prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world, infecting nearly 20% of the global population and killing 8 million in just seven months, the more majority of them healthy young adults. The pandemic also had a deadly effect on economies. International mobility of both people and goods screeched to a halt, debilitating industries like tourism and breaking global supply chains. Even locally, Normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months, devoid of both employees and customers. The document goes on to praise China of their strict lockdown measures that were better than any other country in the world. And there's actually leaders out there doing that. So it's like, again, what are they saying? That we should be like China? <laughs> Hopefully not, but um, there's a tendency to go in that direction now. Again, I quote from this document. Imposed airtight rules and restrictions from the mandatory waste wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities struck and even intensified. In order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly global problems from pandemics, and transnational terrorism to environmental crisis and rising poverty, leaders around the world took a firmer grip on power. At first, the notion of a more controlled world gained wide acceptance and approval. Citizens willingly gave up some of their sovereignty and their privacy to more paternalistic states in exchange for greater safety and stability. Citizens were more tolerant and even eager for top-down direction and oversight, and natural leaders had more latitude to impose order in the ways they saw fit. In developed countries, this heightened oversight took many forms, 
biometric IDs for all citizens, for example, and tighter regulations of key industries whose stability was deemed vital to national interests. Meanwhile, in the developed world, the presence of so many top-down rules and norms greatly inhibited entrepreneurial activity. Scientists and innovators were often told by the governments what research lines to pursue and were guided mostly towards projects that would make money. For example, market-driven product development or where sure bets like fundamental research, leaving more risky or innovative research areas largely untapped. And then they go on to talk about some of the technologies that we could see coming out of such a pandemic. Um, they refer to scanners using advanced functional magnetic resonance imaging technology being the normal norm at airports and other public areas to detect abnormal behavior that may indicate antisocial intent. Um, and they also, if you go onto this website where all of this is kind of played out in a kind of like a interactive digital interface, You'll, you'll also see a whole section there on vaccines. You'll see a whole section on 5G and so on and so forth. So again, this has been planned for a long time or at least talked about how all of these things are interlinked and how they can be implemented underneath the crisis of a pandemic. Wow. I mean, it's literally just like all laid bare there, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why I'm naming this first before I go into all the other information so we can see that there might have been an intent behind what's going on right now. We have to start asking questions, right? So another curious event that occurred just before the virus was even acknowledged was Event 201 in New York City in October 2019. So again, listen to the names and listen to the repeating names that are going to be in this podcast. So this event was put on by John Hopkins University, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So it's an event 201. That's what it's called. And they're meeting in New York City. And it's kind of like a meeting of minds. And they're talking about, again, what would happen if a coronavirus pandemic hit the world. <laughs> so it's like, this is before it hit. <laughs> they're sitting there wondering, like not wondering, but planning what to do when this happens. Because they, in my opinion, they knew it was going to happen. They, yeah, so again, you can take that for what it is. Um, and maybe they didn't, but I just then, wow, what synchronicities and coincidences. What's a coincidence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we look at who is present at this meeting and running this event, we will see that the global public health is run by mafia that uses extortion, special interest funding, and mundry laundering to get their mandates through. So I'm saying we must seriously ask at this time, why most world leaders, countries and governments and healthcare institutions are, are following one world rhetoric mandates and lockdown measures. Like think about it. Never before had in, in this like known recent history, human history has the whole world followed the same measures and done the same thing all at the same time set in place by organizations that lie behind the governments of the world. So who is telling them what to say and do? This is what we really need to start to start to ask. So as we look into this event and, and what occurred there and what one of their main topics of discussion was, actually one of their main focuses, 
wasn't something what they call flooding the zone. So of course they, they pro, like they focused on promoting lockdown measures, but also they focused on allowing the flow of information that supports the mainstream rhetoric about the virus into the field. That's what they call flooding the zone. Like what they want us to know and believe and do floods the whole entire world media where this virus could possibly come from, how it should be handled and treated, and thus the solution is a vaccine. And they also focused on how to censor anyone who may have an alternative voice. So it doesn't take much to see if you, there has been a massive censorship campaign put on by Google, YouTube, Facebook, mainstream media, et cetera. It's so obvious. I mean, it's been happening to my friends. Posts are getting taken down. YouTube channels are taken down. There's even like a, an amazing astrologer that I love. She's not very controversial at all, but apparently she said something that they didn't like and they took down her whole entire platform. Yeah. So Nayabi, you probably have seen this as well. That, 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 um, what have you seen as far as censorship? Because for me, it's very rampant. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to watch a video that you get sent within, <laughs> within the hour, otherwise it's getting taken down. You mentioned Judy Mikovits earlier. And I mean, wow, what, what a powerful woman with like such an explosive story. And this is like a, you know, a scientist who was, she, she was, she was, you know, she was deeply involved with like, um, HIV treatment many years ago. And you need to, we'll, we'll put something in the link actually, um, to, to, to show her story because she is now on London Real. And London Real has been great because he was actually censored when he did the David Icke video. And, um, he basically, he, his, his YouTube channel was taken down and he basically said, you've messed with the wrong person here. So he is now literally getting on different truth speakers. I think every night of the week and he's, um, he's actually had Judy on the show as well. And as I say, such a powerful explosive story, but yeah, you have to watch things really quickly. And this is scientists and doctors and people who, you know, who are in the know, who are actually speaking out. Scientists and doctors are the people who we would usually give credit to as, as knowing and understanding what's going on. If, 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 you know, if they're seeing something different to, to the official narrative. Like, shouldn't our governments be, be listening to them and, and looking to see if there's something that we're not understanding or something that we've, that we've got wrong? I mean, this is supposedly a new virus, right? So we can't pretend that we already have all of the answers. So why are we shutting down the very people who may be able to shine some light or bring a different level of scientific understanding? I mean, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree completely. Cause I mean, again, they're saying, they, they never seen something like this ever before. So wouldn't you think that all of the wise minds of the whole entire world would be needed right now to critically think about solutions and so on and so forth? Exactly. And in, instead it's, you know, we just, we're just listening or we're just seeing these constant figures of fear that are coming through our news channels. Um, but, but, but then there's so many people speaking out behind the scenes who are saying that what we're being told is, uh, isn't correct or in some cases even defies science. We'll put some links to some of these shows, um, or to some of these interviews in the show notes there. And I mentioned there the guy on London Real. He's now actually managed to find a way of creating a channel where they, where they can't touch it. So there's a lot of great interviews on there for, for people to, to look at and, and listen to. Yeah. That's one thing I really, I'm really proud of is that these people that have had their YouTube channels taken down and so on and so forth, and be, they're being massively centered. They're finding other ways to communicate and get mm. their videos out. It's great. 
Absolutely. People are stepping up. Yeah. So looking at this event, looking at that, um, that Rockefeller document that I mentioned first, I mean, I think it's really a normal critical question to ask if there's any link between the document in 2010, the simulation held right before this virus breaks out in New York City. And especially now when we see what is being played out in front of our eyes, especially when you dig deeper into how organizations that are mandating the protocol and the information we receive through the media are connected. If you really look, it is appalling. And it truly shows the conflict of interest that are playing out right now. And I really think that, that it should be illegal to do this. And it is downright corrupt. And I'm talking about conflict of interest. If you look at these big names that I'm about to name, um, these big companies I'm about to name, and these big um, names that I'm about to name, <laughs> that if you do your own research and look at how they are connected, um, it is... Really, again, another thing that makes your eyes pop out. So I'll just name a few of the organizations here. There are many more, but they're intricately connected, such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the WHO, Gavi, CDC, World Bank, Global Preparation Management Board, Welcome, National Medicine Board, Rockefeller Foundation, World Economic Forum, CEPI, the Global Fund, EDA, etc. There are so many more I can name. This is just scratching the surface. And now some reoccurring names in these organizations. So like these people are connected. Bill Gates, again, Anthony Fauci, Chris Elias, Jeremy Farrar, George Gao, Victor Zhao, Zhao, I don't know if I say his last name right, George Soros, and many, many more. If you like to go deeper into this subject, there are many resources out there. And one is called, we're going to give you a link. It's called Global Public Health Mafia, put out by a woman who has a channel called Amazing Polly. I don't know what her real name is. I couldn't find that, but, um, she's quite, she's does quite a lot of deep research. So it's quite impressive. Well, thank you, Lena, for that really well presented information. And I know you've spent a lot of time like putting this together. Um, I mean, I know you've, you've probably spent your whole life putting, putting most of it together, but <laughs> you know, bringing it, bringing it together to, you know, to, to bring it into this podcast. And the thing is, you know, I know it's like, there's a lot of information there. And, you know, we know that this podcast is going to be really, really long, but there's just so much to go into. And obviously we just want to make sure that we're, we're bringing it in, in a way to people that they can, you know, understand, I say we're, st we're still scratching on the surface, but just, just giving you some trigger points to, to be able to, you know, understand and then go and do your own research. And, and as we've said, we're going to put like quite a few links in the show notes that we discern to, to be, to be true. And, and, and the other thing is, I know that, I know that a lot of this information that we're giving is going to seem like very surreal or, or very out there or even just downright unbelievable. But, but, you know, but, but so many people are starting to, to see this now and we can't all be mad. Um, I mean, I, I know this, this information is dark and it is scary, but that's why it has to be seen so that, so that we can stop it from happening. And yeah, as I say, I, I know this is really hard to believe, but something being hard to believe doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, and we haven't just watched a few documentaries and had our heads turned, as we've already explained. We've, we've had a deep understanding and knowledge of this stuff for a really long time. I mean, you more so than me, Lena, for sure. Um, but the thing is, once you start to see it, you see it. And 
there's a lot of people who are, who are seeing it now. And, and, and as I just mentioned, we can't all be mad. And since, since going into lockdown, and, and I, I guess with the enormity of what's going on and people having more time and, and less cluttered minds, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people now who, who really are starting to see, to see more clearly. I mean, I have friends who pre lockdown had, never even looked at or thought about any of this stuff and who would have called me mad if I had spoken about it. But now they're saying to me like, oh my God, I, I can't believe what's going on. And by that, I don't mean the virus. I mean, all the crazy stuff that, you know, that, that we've been, been saying and are saying here uh, and have been talking about for, you know, for a long time and have been shot down for. I mean, a, a friend of mine who's not a truther, not someone who's looking at, who's been looking at this stuff for years, definitely not a conspiracy theorist. Um, a friend who literally only started to see all of this since lockdown, and, and now she really sees it. Um, she, she got in touch with me quite early on in the lockdown to say that she paused the news and noticed that the person being shown in the hospital bed on the ventilator was actually a mannequin. Um, then this this actually that that then came out, and I know we we both saw them, Lena. That came out on a few truth yeah. videos. Um, yeah, a bit later on, and you could even see that the tube was twisted um the, you know the tube on the ventilator was twisted so no air could have got to the patient should it have been a real patient anyway but but as I say, right. she she saw that she saw that firsthand on the news um and as i said like she, she's new to this so she's not searching for it but once your eyes start to be open to it you do start to see it everywhere it does start to become really clear um and i mean there's 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 all kinds of crazy stuff that we're seeing in terms of, you know, what's, what's actually going on in hospitals versus what's being reported and all kinds of stuff that we're seeing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great if you could talk about some of, some of that in a minute. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've all of the stuff, the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. I, you know, I'm hearing so many people say like the world's gone mad, but my response to that has always been the world's been mad for a really long time. It's just that it's now starting to come to the surface for everyone to see. Um, the thing is, though, like I'm starting to what I'm seeing, I, I think there's quite a bit of desperation that's coming from these dark forces now. Like they, they've always mm. they've always hidden in, in plain sight, but they've still been hidden to the masses. But now it's like they're so desperate to roll out this dark plan right. uh, that, that they almost don't care if we see it or not. Like. I mean, I mean, they know we're ascending. They understand very well mm. the energy and dynamics of the universe, um, and it's like that they're doing they're doing everything they can in a final attempt to stop it. But it keeps backfiring on them. Like they lock us down, we wake up. <laughs> they censor the yeah. videos on YouTube. Everyone starts hearing about the videos and finding mm -hmm. them on other sites or or doing what the guy from London Reels done and creating a site that they can't touch. Um, right. And people are realizing as well that the only reason, like, the only reason they're being censored is because they speak truth. Um, right. So, so yeah, I mean, everyone's, um, everything's just backfiring. But, you know, I think it, it might still look for a while like it's, like it's working, you know, as, as things start to be more and more rolled out. And obviously, we're going to talk about some of this. Um, but, you know, I think it's just, yeah, it's going to look like it's working until, until things start to slowly filter through and shift, because this, you know, this is something that's been that's deeply ingrained in our in our system and in our society and in our mm -hmm. society. And obviously, this is part of the reason that we're we're doing this podcast is because people need to start to see this truth to then be able to 
free, you know, for us to be able to then free ourselves from it. But so now that we've broken down a little bit of the dark ball and, and their roles, we're going to start looking at how some of the dark agenda is being rolled out right now. Now, Lena has already touched on some of this, but we're we're just going to start breaking it down a little bit, a little bit more by by looking at some of the individual agendas that are playing out right now. So please join us in part two, Dark Night of the Soul, as we guide you deeper into the darkness, but then also guide you back into the light.